eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Bustin' Loose Baseball is back. Believe it or not, there's Nationals news to discuss. Episode 94, we're going to be talking about Joey Gallo to D.C., Sean Doolittle being added to the coaching staff, and some prospect rankings. They came out. How did they reflect the Nats system? That's all coming up on Bustin' Loose Baseball. Bustin' Loose Baseball, hosted by Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer, gives you in-depth analytics and interviews on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Now, here's your host, Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer. This is Boston Loose Baseball, episode 94, Grant Paulson, Toby Altizer. Toby, last time we did a pod, I think it was right after the Nick Senzel news, a couple of the minor moves the Nats made, start of the offseason in early December-ish, and you and I said, well, we'll be back as soon as they do something in the coming days. And then they did nothing. They didn't add a human baseball player literally until this week at the major league level, but there's actually news to discuss, so it's good to talk to you again, Toby. Yeah, it's good to be back. It's good to be talking about the Nationals. And, I mean, I'm getting excited about this season. The small season kind of winds down. You start looking ahead to spring training and checking out the schedule. And I think pitchers and catchers report for the Nationals on Valentine's Day, so we're not that far away from that. And they signed Joey Gallo. So we got plenty to talk about, a guy that, I mean, he's a polarizing guy because this is a guy that wouldn't be in the league about 15 years ago. And now he's a guy that's going to team to team to team and signed for $5 million, and he has a sub-200 batting average. So, (laughs) a lot to talk about with Joey Gallo. Yeah, in a sport that has become largely about the three true outcomes, so much that they've tried to change the game by re-implementing the stolen base with crowbar in rules and uh, creating athletes and helping to build runs, so to speak. Joey Gallo is the three true outcomes player. It's a home run, it's a walk, or it's a strikeout. He is, and and this will sound somewhat disrespectful, I don't mean it that way, but he is a way less fun version of Kyle Schwarber. You know, he is a, 
Uh, very, very poor man's Kyle Schwarber, I guess, if you turn the faders down on the good things and the faders up on some of the bad things. But bottom line is, look, the Nats wanted left-handed power. They made that pretty clear throughout the offseason whenever Mike Rizzo spoke publicly, and they added left-handed power. Gallo is 30 years old. He has played in over 860 games and homered 198 times in a career that spans back to 2015. Uh, he struck out in 38% of plate appearances in his career to this point. The league average, by the way, is about 22.5% this past season. So it's a lot of strikeouts, but it's also a lot of walks. Uh, he has drawn walks 15% of the time in his plate appearances. Uh, 2023, the average was 8.5%. So he will get on base a little bit and draw walks. He is going to hit for more power than the Nats have over the last couple of seasons. You know, they hit 150 homers as a team last year. The Braves hit 307. They were desperate for pop. And they went and got a guy who hit 21 home runs last season, who's hit 40 a couple times in a row at one point in his career. You mentioned it. He's going to hit below 200. His career batting average is 197. He really hasn't flirted with getting over 200 here in several years. So you sign up for Joey Gallo, you're going to get the whole Joey Gallo experience. Yeah, so in his career, he has 521 base hits, and 215 of those are singles. 306 of those are extra base hits, 198 home runs. I mean, the guy either hits the home run, hits the long ball, walks, or he strikes out. Like you said, he's a three true outcomes, and it's funny you brought up Kyle Schwarber because to me that's exactly who you can look at, a less fun, less consistent hitter, but – he's a, probably a better defender. He can play all three outfield positions. Last year in Minnesota, played all three outfield positions, and he can play first base. So I think that's going to be the interesting thing to navigate here, Grant. I think they've got guys who can play around the outfield. Maybe it's not the best outfield you'd love, but I think Jacob Young, if you need him to, can play center field still. If you wanted to move him over to left field if Victor Robles comes back, or whatever the case may be. Like, I think they could fill the outfield. There's still no clear answer at first base. So maybe he's your guy at first base? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where they plug him in, or maybe he's kind of moving all over the place. Yeah, so he's played very little first base, uh, we should point out. I mean, he did play yeah. first base last season, to your point, and it seems like maybe they can use him there for sure. I think he's going to play left field. I think he's going to DH. He will play some first, presumably, no doubt about that, but – I would not be surprised to see him in the outfield, you know, a good bit. Remember that their outfield was so right-handed dominant, right? You're talking about Lane Thomas, Stone Garrett, uh, guys like Manessis, Robles, Jacob Young, Alex Cole. Um, they needed a left-handed bat that can play the outfield to diversify a little bit. And while the numbers have trended away from this in recent years, I'm not telling you he's a plus defensive player by any means. He does have an elite arm, and his defensive abilities in the outfield, I think, have been probably underrated for much of his career. You're talking about 42 defensive runs saved, four outs above average, you know, 15 grade on the UZR. Um, he he has done pretty well, I, I think, over the years. So I, I don't think you know he's a guy necessarily at left. Like he'll make up for some of the range and other things with arm strength. I think you can throw him out there, and, and it can be fine. Um, you mentioned first base, you know, it has not been graded as well there defensively, but it's not like first base has been a strength for them on defense, right? Yeah. I mean, you've had Manessis standing there. They've going back to Josh Bell. We've seen Voigt play over there. So 
Uh, last year was a lot better with Dom Smith saving some errors. I, I don't know how much, unless C.J. Abrams takes big steps, though, you know, if you're still tapping into a young infield, if you're calling up, just as an example, you know, Brady House at some point or playing Lipscomb or some of these kids, I don't necessarily want a, a frying pan at first base who's not helping them out. I, I'd rather throw him out in the outfield. But who knows? I mean, when those guys get there at the end of the year, you know, he may not even still be on the team. If he gets off to a really fast start and he's hitting for power, maybe they jammer Candelario and, and he's a trade chip and you move him. You know, that's probably the dream scenario for a one-year deal at $5 million. If he gets off to a really bad start and it just doesn't go well, he's not hitting for much power, and, and we know he's going to be hitting below 200 and he's striking out a lot. If he's striking out 42% of the time and he's not hitting for you know home runs, then maybe he goes the way of like a Dickerson or something, and he's not even on the team deeper into the season. It's, it's an amount of money that you don't have to continue to justify the expense by keeping him around. So there's a lot of different ways this can go. But I just think that it's a worthwhile addition when you, you are the you were the worst power hitting team in baseball in the National League, second worst in Major League Baseball last year. Only the Guardians hit fewer home runs, and you are just completely lopsided toward the right-handed hitting. I think it actually made a lot of sense to to find someone like him who has maybe some upside to go on a little bit of a power surge and, and have a 25-27 homer season, something like that. Yeah, and it's not like it was that long ago that he was a pretty good hitter. It seems like it's been forever, right? I mean, if you think back, it's like, man, Joey Gallo with Texas, at the end of his run, awesome. It seems like it's been forever ago, but that was just 2021. He ended up going to the Yankees late in that year. But before he left Texas that year, he was batting 223 and on base of 379, plug of 490. Now he's been down from those numbers since, but last year with the Twins, in 440 slugs, so it looks like he got some of the slug back. The big thing is that on percentage, he's the one guy I generally like to value batting average more than the modern baseball guy. But at the same spot, you can't look at his batting average, you got to look at on base percentage. I think for him is the big number. And last year it was at 301. You'd like to see that thing get back up to that 350 numbers because. He needs to get on base with the walks and obviously the home runs, but he needs to be hitting home runs. He needs to be walking. And I think if he can get some of that, maybe it's something you could look to move to trade him. But I think you're hit dead on there, Grant, where, I mean, this is a guy that maybe you move on from, but they power so bad. So it's a worthwhile shot. And if it ends up, not working out, then it ends up not working out for $5 million. It's worth a sh- It's worth a shot. Yeah. Uh, look, they have also have to thread a needle too with, in terms of guys that are willing to come play in Washington in a year where they're not competing. Right. So you're not talking about the most sought after free agents and let's be real guys that don't cost any money. I mean, we, we joked on, on, you know, my DC show G and D on, on the flagship, 1067 the fan about we, we kind of threw a party that they essentially signed a human being you know how many times has mike rizzo potentially this offseason gone to the learners and said hey i'm working on this thing what do you think and they were like nah dog that's a no for me i mean it, they have not been in the business of adding major league talent uh the other part of this is that in getting him on a one-year deal, there is an option, I was told, a mutual option that's unlikely to be exercised probably in either direction, but certainly in the teams. I think 
you you get a one year deal in place with him because they don't want to block their prospects, right? So from an outfield standpoint, ideally a year from now, James Wood is going to be on the opening day major league roster. Dylan Cruz hopefully will be on the opening major league uh, opening day roster. And so you'll it, you know if Lane Thomas is around, which presumably he would be, there's your starting outfield, right? Robert Hassel's not as high end or high level a prospect, but he could presumably be. Uh, on the opening day major league roster next year, which isn't even to talk about Jacob Young and some of the other guys that they have. So you didn't want to sign a multi-year deal with anyone or commit money into the future. You want your prospects to continue to be unblocked, which is a priority, which is something you and I have talked about well, with you know the Rizzo plan. It seemed like this offseason, both in the infield and the outfield, you know, they it's twofold. One, I don't think the ownership wants to spend anything. It doesn't seem like. And two, if you're Rizzo, your priority is the kids and the system you're building anyway. So it marries together with nothing all that impactful or meaningful being spent or, or anybody really coming in here that you're committing to beyond this season. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the big thing here is you don't want to block anybody. So you bring in like Joey Gallo, and even if he's playing somewhat well, it's a one-year contract. And if James Wood is ready to go, James Wood takes his spot. You know, and they can find somewhere else to play him sparingly, whatever the case may be. You know, if they if Dylan Cruz and James Wood are both good to go, then maybe you just move one from Gallo entirely. Maybe you move him for a bag of chips if he's playing well enough that someone wants, or maybe you just completely move on from him. So I like the idea that they're making these sorts of moves that are shrewd where, yeah, you can play him. Yeah, he can be someone that maybe you move on from, but at the same point, you're not blocking any of these guys. He's not going to be taking opportunities away from young guys. You still have to field a major league roster. Cause I saw some people like, I necessarily love this move because it's going to take opportunities away. It's not the priority is still definitely the young guys. And I think that's what the organization for. That's why these sorts of moves are fine because you're not blocking the young guys. So I'm interested to see how he does this season, but the focus still is on the young guys and when can they get to the bigs and when they're ready, they're going to get their opportunity. He's Toby Altizer. I'm Grant Paulson. It's busting loose baseball, actual Nats news to discuss Joey Gallo coming over to Washington. Uh, Andrew Golden of the post tip of the cap to him. He's done a really nice job breaking news all off season. Uh, he had the story on Tuesday afternoon uh, and we've been, uh, discussing it as a fan base here ever since. All right, so let's play a little over-under then. I'm going to set the total uh, half home run before where he was last year below that at 20 and a half home runs for Joey Gallo this season in D.C. Are you going over or under that total? I got to feel like he bounces back a little bit, so I'll take the over, but it won't be by much. I would say somewhere around that 23, 24, 25 homer run. I'll go under. Uh, I just think there's more like possible outcomes, right? Maybe he gets traded before he gets there. Yeah. Maybe it goes really badly and he's not on the team anymore. If he plays on the team all season and he plays in, I'm you know I'm throwing out 140 some games or something, or you know gets 500 plus at bats, then if, you know, he absolutely had better uh, be over 20 home runs or 19 and a half, 20 and a half home runs, whatever we're going to set it at, but. I'm not convinced necessarily that'll be the case. I'm still hopeful, obviously, that by the end of the season, a lot of those at-bats in the outfield are going to some of the aforementioned prospects. But Gallo added to the fold for the Nationals. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bang, zoom. Uh, one thing we have not talked about on the pod that I thought we could today is Sean Doolittle, who's been added to the coaching staff. Um, he's going to play what I perceive to be a fairly important role. The 37-year-old former World Series hero, uh, former closer in D.C., is going to assist manager Dave Martinez and pitching coach Jim Hickey with mental preparation, strategy, and mechanics. Uh, they put in the press release that Sean Doolittle was always an extremely talented pitcher, but he is also one of the most intelligent baseball minds you can find, um, Mike Rizzo said in a statement. So the way this was described to me at different points when they were you know, leading up to this decision was that Doolittle was going to come on to help them in a bunch of areas. Number one, I think he's going to be a bit of a liaison between like the players and the analytics department. And a lot of teams are, are having guys do this now. There's actually a term for it, and I can't remember what it is. It was in a book I read um, where one of the, the first guys to do this um, was, uh, you know, like Doolittle, a former successful major league pitcher who was, like, super smart and uh, might have been, like, Dave Bush or somebody. And, like, a team hired him because a lot – at the time, this has been, like, a decade ago. Like, the pitchers would have the analytics guys come in and show them the numbers – and they're like, get out of here, nerd. Leave us alone. You don't know what you're talking about. You played in high school. And so, like, there's just a lack of credibility. Now, it's not that way anymore where, obviously, R&D and analytics departments are way more respected. And a lot of players like Doolittle are super into it. But still, to have someone who can kind of grease the skids on both sides, like Doolittle who's pro analytics, pro numbers, uh, works with that department, was super into it when he was a player who also speaks player and is in the locker room with the guys and one of the dudes. Like, it's a super important role within organization. So you're going to have some of that. There was also some butting of heads. I can tell you last year uh, between, I think some of the members of the staff that are a little more old school and guys like Josiah Gray and Jake Irvin, as an example, um, you know, those guys are, are newer school. They're, they're more analytically and, and just kind of, um, you know, I would say like uh, agitronic rapsodo driven. They're, they're more technologically based. I think thinkers, um, and not to make too big of a deal of it, but I do think there was some butting of the heads internally in that regard. So maybe this is, you know, a guy that gets added who, if you're keeping Jim Hickey, who is not necessarily like on the cutting edge of all of the newer ways of doing things, you know, you, you, you got to help him and also get the most out of the guys on your staff that may not be the best mesh match with him all the time. So I think Doolittle can help in that regard. You know, the mechanic stuff was interesting. Cause that gets into more of just traditional coaching, obviously, but you know, maybe this is 
We see this in other sports like Ryan Kerrigan, an assistant D-line coach, or D'Angelo Hall helping with the DBs with the Panthers or whatever. Maybe this is the beginning of Doolittle ultimately becoming you know, a legitimate, true pitching coach in Major League Baseball. But I just think he's got a lot to offer. And the team internally, Toby, I don't know what you think. I think they're at a really kind of critical, odd place where they are transitioning more and more as the sport is into this new era. And, uh, you know, with a kind of an older school staff in some ways, at least that's the perception on the outside. I think they they wanted someone who could help in that transition and do little seems like a perfect fit for me. Yeah, I mean, this essentially sounds like an audition for being a future pitching coach. Basically, everything that he's working on sounds like a modern pitching coach, and Jimmy holds the title, but Sean Doolittle is going to be doing a lot of the same stuff. And I think having him in the building is so important for this team. Just having a guy, Sean Doolittle, around that if anyone wants to question anything about him, he can just pop out the 2019 World Series ring and show him, I was a part of that, and I, I was a big part of it, right? He was a big part of that. There was only, what, five pitchers that felt like they turned to that entire postseason. He was one of them. And so I also like the fact that you have a guy with a career like Doolittle where it's not like his stuff was ever crazy overpowering. Like, he had a great fastball, but it's also not like he was throwing 99. Like, he, he was good with what he had, and he found a way to make it work. And he knew what he was good at. He looked at the analytics. He looked at the numbers and said, I can throw these fastballs up in the zone. I have a good spin rate. I'll make it work, right? I think having those sorts of guys around that have kind of been able to carve out their way and have a long major league career, I think having that kind of guy around is going to be important for these guys. Because you think of Mackenzie Gore. He's an electric stuff. Now, can you have a have a guy in there that can help him find a way when stuff isn't working that he can find a way through it? Dew is going to be able to do that because Dew made a career of it, right? And working with Josiah Gray and those sorts of guys. So I like having a guy that's done it at this level not that long ago that can work in the analytics and talks coach speak because he's going to be working on the coaching staff, but also talks player because not that long ago he was suiting up himself. So I like adding him in and you obviously want the personality and the clubhouse and just how fun Sean Doolittle is. I think it's going to be a real boost to this national team to have him around. Completely agree. And, you know, if you're, if you're going to, a lot of what they've done since the world series, because we missed out on the actual celebration and some of the things that come along with winning it because of COVID since has been kind of re uh, it's five-year anniversary coming up here. They're doing the, the rings for the five-year anniversary, but it's been a lot like kind of reliving that past and the organization. And if you're going to tap into guys like Doolittle and play on that, you, you should really get some value out of that. Right. And he can still help you. I mean, he could still be an instrumental cog in the organization and, and the best way for him to do that now is probably in this role, not trying to, to have one last run uh, as a pitcher. Long gone. Uh, all right. One other thing we wanted to hit on here in Boston Loose Baseball episode 94, creeping up on 100. As the Nats make news this offseason, we are giving you offseason pods. It's up to them how often we're doing it. And they've decided to this point, not very often, Toby. Not very um, often. But prospect rankings came out. Uh, MLB Pipeline will be dropping their top 100, I believe, next week. Baseball America has put out its new top 100 rankings list. One thing I was looking up uh, within the last couple of days is Pipeline just came out with their top 10 list at third base. 
And Brady House was ranked the number six third baseman in the minor leagues. Yoandi Morales, number 10. So the Nats well represented on that list. Yeah, I like that. I, I've talked about this before. The guy that I'm highest on out of the entire system, and it's not a knock on anyone else, but I own Brady House. I think this guy is going to be an absolute stud. So I would have him higher than six, but that's just personally. I think that he can maybe end up being the best prospect out of all these to the Nats. But the more encouraging one there is Yo-Yo, right? Seeing him in the top 10, a third baseman. I mean, this is a guy that when we went down to see him in Fredericksburg, made a heck of a play defensively where he snags a ball, tags, throws it across, gets a guy at first base. And then you also just look at his frame. He's a huge dude. And so you've got two legitimate third basemen. One of them will probably have to move to first base, you'd assume, down the line at some point. But right now, both of them can play third base really well. So exciting there. And obviously, that's not even talking about maybe the two most exciting prospects in the entire system. All right, Toby, uh, final thoughts here on Bustin' Loose Baseball, episode 94, before we say goodbye. Yeah, I mean, it's just exciting to think that we're getting close to spring training, and you're going to have plenty to look for in spring training, looking at these prospects, seeing how well they do. I don't know that any of these top guys are going to make the opening day roster because I don't know that there's real incentive for the Nationals to do it. But at the same point, you can still hope, right? I mean, and the beauty about this season, Grant, is by July, by the All-Star break, maybe a little bit further, maybe even a little bit earlier, we could be watching James Wood wearing the Curly W. We could be watching Dylan Cruz wearing the Curly W. And that's something to get excited about for this national season. Maybe the wins won't be there. Maybe it's going to be another season where they're down there in the bottom five in terms of record. But equipment level, I think, should be pretty high for this season. Yeah, so much of this year will be about the three top prospects you referenced and the guys who were ranked in the top 100 that came out last week by Baseball America. Uh, Dylan Cruz, who they put number six on their new top 100. James Wood, who they ranked number 11, just outside of the top 10 and Brady House, who they listed 55th. Uh, but I'm looking forward to the pipeline list coming out. And uh, hopefully, you know, we should do that. Whether they make any more moves or not, we can't wait on them. Maybe next week when the pipeline list comes out, we'll uh, give some ETAs and do a prospect-laden pod people can come back for. But there you go, the latest on the Joey Gallo edition and Sean Doolittle on the staff. For Toby, I'm Grant, saying so long. Thanks to producer Darris for making us sound good. This has been Bustin' Loose Baseball. Appreciate everybody listening.